0: 1, verses 4 through 5, to Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this reason, I left you in Crete, that you should what set in order, set in order the things that are lacking, and appoint elders in every city as I have commanded you. Please be seated.
1: I hope it is that you will grab your Bible and turn to the book of Titus, and while you're making your way that way, let me make you aware of something that will slightly change next week. Uh, Instead of having our Bible class from 8.45 to 9.30, we're going to go back to our pre-COVID times from 9 a.m. to 9.45 in Bible class. So that will change coming this Sunday and then our 10 o'clock worship will happen right after that. And uh, a side note for you who sit down in this particular area, a teen class will begin to happen back uh, where it was starting next week. So uh, be, be aware of those things. This island that you're looking at here is about 175 miles long, it's about 35 miles wide And it's located in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. It is known as the island of Crete. It uh, had a church on it. When it was flourishing during the the time of uh, Roman uh, occupation of the world, it had a church that was established in this island, and its local preacher was Titus. Now, the book that you're looking at within your Bible is a letter written to him from the Apostle Paul. Titus is one of two men that Paul would call his son in the faith. That's, that's a big deal. Son in the faith is a big deal. He is one that, that Paul would take a little more time with. He's one that Paul would be a mentor toward, and that's a good thing to have even as a preacher today. I have a few gentlemen, a couple that I would call at a moment's notice and uh, would ask them questions. As a matter of fact, did that about last week. Uh, But here, Titus has the opportunity to stand with Paul, the apostle, and say, Paul, let me ask you this. What about that? What about when this happens at the local congregation or that happens? And so he has an opportunity to speak to one who is inspired of God, who gets to be his mentor. And, and at some points in time, I am uh, just a touch jealous of Titus. What a great opportunity he has. And as you and I look through the book of Titus, we need to first look at God himself. The calling card of the God that you and I serve is order. Order. In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, God creates the world and everything that is found therein. And the creation is an interesting idea as everything is created on day 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. Have you studied it far enough to look and to see that the things created on days 1, 2, and 3 are mirrored on the days 4, 5, and 6? Day 1, Light. Day four, sun and moon and stars. Day two, the firmament, the, uh, the water and the air. Day five, fish and fowl. Day three, the land. Day six, land, animals, and humans. There's an order to what he does. If this is not a, a willy-nilly type thing where God says, well, I need to create this next or that other thing. There's an order to what he does. It is in Genesis chapter 1, about verse 6, where we see him uh, put in store those waters that he will use in Genesis chapters 6, 7, 8, and 9 as he destroys the, flood, the world globally with the flood. We see him create marriage there in Genesis chapter 2. And those marriage regulations have not changed since he created them in Genesis chapter 2. One man, one woman, one lifetime, one exception. We see our process of of birth and life and then into death, and and we see that process happen almost every day. We see the sacrifice of Jesus the Christ being told to us from the very beginning of what is going to happen. We see our worship as, as we see the order of God. Our worship is not anything new, as it were. You can go back and see it, And see the seeds of it being planted in the mind of man through the Word of God as far as you go back and see synagogue worship. That's right. Synagogue worship. In synagogue worship, they sang without instruments. They prayed, they read and studied the Scripture of God, and they gave of their means. That sounds awful familiar, doesn't it? It's only one thing missing, and that's because he hasn't come and died yet. He hasn't established that Lord's Supper yet, but God is training us to understand that that's how he wants to be worshipped. I like the synagogue, and I like to, to read it and study it, because there are so many things that are, that are very similar to that. Did you know that the synagogue had eldership? Hmm. wonder what he's training us for. You look at our worship in the church today and and how a person becomes a member of the church and how he lives that life, and you see a God of order. The church that is found in Crete here in Titus began on the day of Pentecost. As a matter of fact, it's one of those 16 nations that's mentioned in Acts chapter 2 as being there in Jerusalem for Pentecost. And some of those being from the island of Crete, were of those 3,000 who obeyed God and who were added to the church at that point in time. And yet, when we read the book of Titus, it's 30-plus years after that, and, and God would write that there are some things that still need to be set in order. Well, you think a, a congregation after 30 years ought to have everything going just right. You think they would be on, on the right path, that, that everything is, is lovely, and that's not... The case, there are a few things that need to be set in order. And as you and I look at the book of Titus today, we're going to notice the leadership, the lackluster, and the lost. Let's start with the leadership. Somewhere around 30 years past uh, the book of Acts chapter 2, and there's no eldership? That seems very odd. As if in 30 years there's not two guys in Crete? Who have grown enough and have understood enough to where they could be the elders? Perhaps. It's not necessarily that they haven't grown that far. Perhaps it is the case that they just didn't want to. Seems odd to us and yet even today we can go around and find congregations that have been 30 plus years uh, established and not have an eldership. Still. Let's look at this leadership that is to be set in order. We're going to read Titus chapter 1, 5 through 9, but you can also find these in First Peter or First Timothy chapter 3 and First Peter chapter 5. In, in verse 5 he writes this, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou should set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I have appointed thee, If any be blameless in the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, nor not self-willed, not not soon angry, not given to wine, nor striker, nor given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, a, a lover of sober things, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word which he had been taught, that he may be may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayer. As this idea of the leadership here in Crete begins to unfold, when you look at First Peter chapter three, or First Timothy rather, chapter three. You see two different lists, one for eldership and one for the deacons, and those are two distinctively different jobs. Here in Titus chapter 1, he's dealing with the the eldership, the leaders of the congregation, those who are to feed the flock, those who are to be the shepherds, those who are according to John chapter 10 supposed to hand this flock back to the chief shepherd when he returns. That's a big responsibility. That's a very uh, daunting task. The very first issue, God would say with these men, they should be blameless. There's a difference between guiltless and blameless. There's not a man walking on this earth who would find himself guiltless. The idea of blameless would be one who would rapidly restore a relationship. For example, I've done something to be offensive and to weaken the faith of my brother Nathan. Uh, as soon as I find that out, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to repair that. Uh, I would still be at fault, but hopefully between us there would not be blame. I would want to repair that situation as quickly. I'm not guiltless, I'm blameless. Husband of one wife with faithful children. It seems almost odd to have to say those things, but we're going to come back to those here in just a moment and make sure we understand the idea of one wife and faithful children. They're to be stewards of what God has given them, the stewards of this flock. We all are stewards of gifts that God has given us and and how we use them will definitely uh, reflect in the way God sees us and is pleased with us. But here, this idea of stewardship deals more with being stewards of the flock of God. And that is a higher, um, a more difficult task. They are to be selfless. That is, they are to think of that flock first. Even-tempered. Even-tempered has the idea of when the ebbs and the flows of life come and go then this is a group of men who will continue to look toward that cross and toward eternity and not be pulled down too far or pushed up too high, even-tempered. Not a drinker, not a fighter. Those go together. Those men uh, who enjoy uh, spending all night drinking at the bars and and fighting each other is probably not the guys you want to uh, lead this flock It is the man who is uh, selfless and the man who is looking toward the very uh, aspects of God. Now, I made this word up, and I don't know if it's a word, but I have always lived by this. If I print it, then it's a word in print, so it has to be a word, right? The eldership, the leadership is one who is bribeless, one who does not accept bribes. Now our our pews here are pretty comfortable as you sit on them. They're they're nice and cushioned, and uh, they haven't been so long that the cushion has worn out. But sometimes I just like to sit in a recliner. What if I were to pay the eldership to let me put a recliner? And our, our, our aisleways are pretty big, so I could just put one right there beside Miss Brandy and uh, you know, and, and then it would be okay, right? How much would that cost? Anybody have a clue? If a number is put out, then we've got a problem. is the idea of not taking those things, not uh, seeing one person above another because of money or favors. This is the person who should be bribed less, and then one who is hospitable, one who would take care of the other's needs emotional. Physical, spiritual, all of those things. Lover of good men. A lover of those who are doing good things. Those who who would be uh, the first to pat you on the back and say, keep on going. One who is sober in his thoughts. One who is just and holy in in his life. Temperate, faithful, teacher, courageous. All of these things point to the Christian. As a matter of fact, Look right here. All of these things mentioned within the idea of an eldership points directly to every single Christian with two exceptions. With the exception of being married and having children. Everything else points to a faithful child of God. Should the faithful child of God be sober? Intemperate? Should he should he be blameless? Should he should he follow after God's law? Absolutely. All of those things point to the child of God with the exception of the marriage clause and the child clause in here. And as it is given to us about this leadership, they are to be the husbands of one wife. Not many. It is the uh one of the fun facts about the Roman Empire is you could have as many wives as you wanted. Notice what he says. I want you to respect the bonds of marriage that have already been set by God. If you will respect them in your house, you will respect them in my house. And then I want you to raise your children. Not just raise them uh, to make sure that by the time they're old enough I can get them out of the house, but rather raise them to be faithful. Those are two very important things for this leadership of God's people so that they can know how to deal with different personalities. Because if you don't have children, what you'll learn, or if they're not old enough, what you'll learn is they're... If you have two, they're as different as night and day, and I don't know what you get if you get three, so good luck. As we look at move our attention from those who are in a leadership role here in Crete, I want to turn to Titus chapter 1, verses 10 through 16, and see some folks who were lackluster. As a, conver- as a congregation, uh, one of those things Titus has put there to set in order are those who were lackluster. Beginning in verse number 10. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, specifically they of the circumcision, whose mouth must be stopped. Who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of them, even a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Under the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work a reprobate. Notice what he's saying there. There are some... Who would have begun their walk with Christ just wonderfully. Just as if God had told them directly, this is what I want you to do. And they would begin to follow those things and yet they would fall back on to their old ways. Don't raise your hand, just think. Do you know anybody who has ever fallen back into their old ways? Let's revamp that question just a little bit have I ever fallen back into my oh I don't want to answer that question Could you imagine living in a church where a Christian would be tempted to go back to sin Could you imagine to be living and worshipping in a church where Christians wanted to be like the world Could you imagine living in a in a place where the world hates the church <laughs> you not already can you imagine living in a place where people would spread rumors and lies about the church even those of the religious background would speak to us and say well they're." imagine seemingly everyone turning against the Lord's church can you imagine that could you imagine uh, the need for the church there to spot those lies could you, could you see that church teaching furiously to, to suppress the, the fires from outside and having then to beat down brush fires on the inside due to hypocrisy? Can you imagine a church like that? Not only can we imagine it sometimes, it is the fact that we can name those churches. And if we take a good, long, hard look at those questions and ourselves, what we'll realize is nine-tenths of those things we still, with, still deal with today. It's not just a, a problem in Crete. It's a problem in Hot Springs, isn't it? It's a problem everywhere you go because the world and the church are in direct opposition to each other. The church is admonishing folks to see the light of the truth, and the world wants to live in darkness. And you have the urging of Jesus in Matthew chapter five, verses thirteen through sixteen, where Jesus would say, "This you're supposed to be salt." And you're supposed to be light. You're supposed to be a city that's set on a hill that, that no one can hide. Notice what's not said in Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16. You should be salt and you should be light if the world will let you. If the world says it's okay. You should be a city that's set on a hill if everybody thinks it's alright. My salt saltiness My exposure of light, my being that city set on a hill, has nothing to do with anybody except for me. Those are commands to me, individually as a Christian. Those are commands to us, individually as a Christian. You go be that salt. You be that light. You be that city that's set on a hill. You don't be lackluster. Don't be those ones who want to go back to the way things were Brethren, the way things were had us moving directly toward hell because of our choices. We don't want to go back there. We've looked at the leadership to be set in order. We've looked at some lackluster to be set in order. Notice this, Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. The church at Crete needs to set in order the lost. Chapter 3, verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of our God and Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us by the washing of the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he shed on us abundantly through Christ Jesus, our Savior. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. There's a phrase I want you to focus in on in verse number three. But we ourselves also were. As Paul begins to uh, teach a little more clearly to Titus, he's going to say, you're going to have those who are around you who are L-O-S-T. Now, don't forget that. You're going to have those who are lost. But what I want you to remember is this. So were you. We all did these things. We all followed after those things, not those things of righteousness. We followed after those things of lustful desires. We followed after doing our own thing. We followed after making our own decisions and making our own way through life. Only to be confronted with the gospel of Jesus Christ and find out that the way we have been living has us to stand before God lost. These that are living on the outside of the world, outside world, they're looking into the church who are lost and following after their own idea, live a life as if they don't know about God. They live a life as if they don't know about Jesus the Christ or, or His uh, Holy Spirit who kept this word for us. The fact of the matter is they might not. They might not know about Him. It's... It's almost amazing for us who have um, been so long into God's Word and so long into the church for which Jesus Christ gave His blood. It's almost odd for us to look out and see someone who doesn't know God. Who doesn't understand anything about Jesus the Christ. That's almost foreign to us. Paul would write here, you remember who you were. That's a good thing for us sometimes. To remember who we were when God saved us. And he said, you go teach those. Teach those who were were just like you. You see, just because these people are lost doesn't mean they have to stay that way. They don't have to stay in a condition that is lost. It is the gospel of grace through the blood of Jesus the Christ that saves mankind. I don't know exactly where you were taught. You remember that day. Perhaps you were sitting across a kitchen table from someone who may have had a, a small outline of where they would like to go as they would teach you the gospel. Or maybe even you had a, a Bible study that, had made, that allowed you to have a piece of paper and the one helping you had a piece of paper. And as you would go down, the truth of God would be revealed. You remember that day? You remember when you felt the, the fact That if I die, I'm lost. If if I see God now, I am his enemy. I have put myself on the outside with God. Do you remember that? Because there's a world of lost people outside of our doors who may not ever know who Jesus is, may not know now who God is, but they deserve to. We have a congregation here that has an eldership that I am grateful for. Thankful that I have the opportunity to work with them. Uh, Good men, and, and I think they are striving for what God wants to do. As we look at Crete, we don't need to set the church in order right now for eldership as if we don't have one. But we do need to set the church in order for an eldership that's going to come after these men pass away. And I guess it is the fact that every congregation, as they live around the world and in the world, have people who visit who are lost, and people who regularly attend who are lackluster. And we need to set those things in order. It is the fact that you have an opportunity even today, if you'd like to, to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ that would take you from the condition of lost to the condition of saved. Through the blood of Jesus Christ and through the grace of God, you can hear what he has to say, Romans ten seventeen. You can believe those things, John 8 and verse 24. You can repent of your sin, Luke 13, 3 and 5. You can confess that Jesus is the Christ, John chapter 14 and verse number 6. And you can be baptized in water for the remission of your sins, giving your life to Jesus the Christ and living and following in his footsteps from here on out. You can skip all together the group of the lackluster. You can give your life to Christ and follow Him completely today if you want to. But there is a group called the lackluster that we need to address. And that's you, brother or sister, who could be doing a little more, could be a little more attentive, could come a little more, could could, could, but for some reason we don't, don't, don't. Let me urge you to come back home right now to a God that loves you and to a family that misses you. Let me encourage you all, if you're subject to heaven's invitation, please come while we stand and sing for your encouragement.
0: Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing?